Okay, today's scripture comes from John chapter 16, verse 12 to 15. John chapter 16, verse 12 to 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The second portion of uh, today's word comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. If you are new to our church, you're coming at a good time. This is a series that we do, we like to do and repeat um, at the beginning of the year on the vision and values of Revive Church, what we're all about. And um, so the, this, if you listen to these messages, you're going to get to the core of what Revive really, really cares about, what we are called by God to do. It's all, of course, from the Bible. And um, so last week I gave you a message. Actually, maybe if we go, I know the, <laughs> the slides are going to be slightly odd at the beginning, right? Um, so because I, I actually, this, this is the second time I'm actually giving this sermon today. Uh, Pastor Paul Pham, he, uh, he wrote me into preaching at his church. And I said, I'll just give the sermon from our church. And so, but I had to give a little bit of explanation on the slide. So, um, so let's just go look. look this, is a, this is our vision. New life in Christ for the nations of Silicon Valley. Do we have it up there? Yes, that's our vision. Do you guys know that? <laughs> and I hope by now you do know that. And I don't know if you notice, but like Pastor Young comes up here, and he like practically says it every single week, right? And that's, that's not an accident, okay? Because we want you to really know this is everything. That, in, a, in a short sentence, not even a sentence, not even, it's a phrase, this is all that we stand for. Um, we can go to the, we can, the next slide was just, is it's just actually relifted this right off our, our website. Revived Presbyterian Church is a gospel-centered, grace-motivated family who seeks to be a beacon of the hope we have in Jesus, right? We will intentionally cross cultures and generations to reach immigrants and minority Americans with the gospel and unleash a disciple-making and church-planting movement to impact the nations from the ends of the earth. That's straight out of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. That have come to this metropolitan area that is so crucial and strategic for the kingdom of God at this moment of history. So I don't know if you ever read that. That's what our church is going to do, okay? And we're on our way. And uh, I got a little bit to share that 
um, with a bunch of v v Vietnamese brothers and sisters today. Um, and so last week, we, we looked at the first value, gospel. And that is gospel-centered and grace-driven. I always love preaching that first message because I always love talking about the greatness of the gospel. Today, we're looking at the second value, which is word and spirit. Christ reigning the word and spirit. That's what we're going to cover today. Okay, that's what we're talking about today. And I'll just give you one more slide. If you've never looked at it, here are seven values. Okay? Gospel, word, and spirit, disciples, family, nations, every member, and city. I know, like, if you became a member of our church, you were taught this in membership class, but then, of course, life happens and then it gets fuzzy, right? And um, if you would memorize those seven values, uh, you'll make me very happy, okay? <laughs> and I think you will make Jesus, even more importantly, you will make Jesus happy because you're a part of this church, and we do all these things for Jesus, but because, you know, Jesus doesn't need anything, when we do it for him, it's always going to be to bless others, yes? All right, so um, we're not going to be able to have a message on all seven values. You know, we, we just have other things to teach. So this is a five-week series. We're going to cover five of the seven values. This is the second one today, word and spirit. Okay, um, is there a water bottle there? Can I, can I, can I, can I ask him? <laughs> yes, my daughter. Because I, I, I'm going to come up here prepared. All right. Let's get into it. Part one. Needing the spirit and his word for truth. Needing the spirit and his word for truth. Part two. The Holy Spirit exalting Christ. Okay. The Holy Spirit exalting Christ. And part three, the power to abound in hope. Right. Last week I talked about hope versus despair through the gospel. And I just wanted to talk about hope one more time. And um, there's a great verse that gets at that. All right. Part one, needing the Spirit and His Word for truth. Um, we're living in a time when truth is a very, very serious problem. Do you agree with me? When Jesus was put on trial, uh, Pontius Pilate asked him this question, what is truth? That's an ancient question, and it's a very, very modern question. Um, truth is a very, very serious problem. And I want to ask you this question. When I was younger, people, everybody seemed to think they knew what was true, and they think they had a clear pathway to get to truth. And everybody believed that. Christians, non-Christians. The non-Christians might be going like, I don't believe any of that Bible stuff, but they're science. Okay? So when I was younger, people would say, I, I trust science. Um, today, after the pandemic, <laughs> do you trust science? <laughs> what is science? What is the science position? I'm not even sure which one is the quote-unquote right science position. So especially after the pandemic, man, truth, it, it, it's a very serious problem, right? But it isn't just a modern problem. And it isn't just a problem in America where our media, our news media, has turned into like basically total junk, right? If your news media in, in your country turns into total junk like ours is, 
truth is obviously a very, very serious problem, but it's not only in the modern America. It's just, it's a problem for human beings. We human beings, we're horrible when it comes to truth. You don't even know when you actually have truth. I actually think that there's times when if the truth was alive and came up and bit you on the rear end, you wouldn't know it. <laughs> You'd go, oh, that was truth. Oh, what was that? Oh, it was truth. A lot of us, how would you know is actually true? Right? And um, there's a great, there's actually a great verse in the Bible um, I often think about, and let me just get, give it to you. Um, so this is the last verse in the book of Jonah. Have you ever read the book of Jonah? Probably haven't, okay? It's, this is the way the book ends. It's very weird, okay? So just, I won't go into all this explication. Jonah is a prophet called by God. He's, he's, you know, he's an Israelite, and he's supposed to preach to all these Assyrians in Nineveh, and the Assyrians murdered and um, oppressed the Jews. So he hates, he hates these people. Okay, so he, the last thing he wants to do is preach anything good to them. He basically just wishes like God would burn Nineveh down. All right, so that's at the center of the argument between Jonah and God. And this is the way the book ends. This is God talking. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons? That was a lot of people back then. There's not a lot of cities back then that could handle 120,000. 120,000 people back then is probably something like a 10 million people city today. It'd be like Tokyo or something, or New York City or something like that, okay? In which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle. Cattle is the last word in the book of Jonah. You're like, what? What? <laughs> what the heck is that? Okay, so since you don't quite understand what he just said, right, I'll give you a translation. So this is the SPT translation, the Susong Park translation, okay? In our church, we, you know, we regularly read out the ESV. I'm giving you the 21st century version, the SPT, okay? And here's the way I translate it. And should not I pity Silicon Valley, that great city, in which there are two million persons, that's approximately how many people there are in our county, who do not know male from female and also have tons of money. When God says they don't know their left hand from their right hand, he's basically saying they have no idea what the heck is right or wrong or true or false. Can you imagine how stupid people must be if they can't figure out what's right from left. Hey, what's right? You know, here we go, right, <laughs> left, left. Isn't that really obvious? When I was young, it was really obvious what's a boy and what's a girl. And it was really obvious that there were only two choices. <laughs> and when you went to go to the bathroom, there was the, you know, the, the dude-looking one. And then there was like, you know, the, the figure with the skirt or something like that. And so that's our version of it. We're not that different. <laughs> We're not that different. When you take the light of the word of God out of culture, 
just, everything just kind of goes crazy. <laughs> and I'm not trying to make fun of anybody because I have great compassion on people who think there are, are more than two sexes. They think there's, I don't know how many categories they think these days, three, four, five, I have no idea, okay? The, the vocabulary keeps moving on and I'm like behind, <laughs> right? Gender, non-binary, okay, I, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> Right. Um, that's a truth problem. The Bible says there's male and female. <laughs> and then when you go out in the world, it seems pretty obvious. It used to be obvious. It's a truth problem. So truth is not just when your media completely blows up. It's when you just take God and the light of God's word out of the culture, all kinds of things go crazy. All kinds of things go really, really bad, okay? And um, that's what we're in today. And so what I want to talk a little bit about is this idea of um, how you get to the truth. Now, I said this at the beginning of the, of the creation series. Um, what's more important in, in, in the world and in reality? Is it the stuff or is it the word about the stuff? You know how you know what's real? It's through words. Words are more important than the actual physical stuff. Okay? And so, of course, we need word. And you need to have a true word. And we as Christians, if you don't believe in you know, Christianity and the Bible, we Christians really believe that this word, the Bible, is from God. <laughs> and since it's from God, I know that sounds absolutely insane. We think it's inerrant. It's infallible. It's like totally right. It's actually really, really great to have a set of words that's totally right. So if you don't really believe in God, you think every religious book out there is all false, and you think you can intuitively go, I'll read the Bhagavad Gita, and then I'll turn around and read the, you know, I'll read like the Bible, and then I'll read, you know, I'll read like, I'll read the, you know, I'll read some other holy book. And then how about if the secular people start coming up with their own religion? And they have their own texts. And they have their own moral demands. You know, um, a couple years ago, um, I was watching just basically our culture completely come falling apart. And it was a young woman. She clearly had gone to college. And she started just completely berating other people. Do your homework. <laughs> Do your homework. And she basically demanded that you read certain books. <laughs> and it often had to do with something like anti-racism. That basically, if you hadn't read those books, that, that you're in the dark. <laughs> and if you hadn't read those books and believed those books, then you don't know the truth. See, she had a book some books, more than one book, and that book tells you what's true, <laughs> tells you how to be, tells you what your identity is. So it's very strange to me when I listen to all these secular people basically dog us for having a book. <laughs> you know what's really great about having a book? It's public. Everybody can read it. If Christians go in there and say, I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor, I know what's in the Bible. And then they start like saying and teaching it. You know what's great? All the other Christians can read it too and go, 
I think this guy's a crackpot. <laughs> I think he's abusing the text. I think he's bad. <laughs> right? And let's just stop there for a moment. So I just want to first argue, first, if you want truth, you must have a word that you can trust. It's so, that word is so good, you can stand on that word, and that word colors how you look at everything else. If you want to trust an anti-racism book, please understand you're using that as scripture. Okay? I mean, that's, that, you're basically, if you want to read Dianetics by L. Ron Hubbard, same, same difference. And sometimes some of you don't read, you just go to some preacher and you just let him talk. He's basically functioning as your scripture. But in this church, everything is built on this book. So whoever stands up here in the front, including and especially if his name is Husang, if he starts going off what's this inside this book, you better start saying something. And that's another good reason why we have elders. Because you can be like, mm, you can go to one of your elders, John Har, call up John Har. I think what Susang is preaching is not from the Bible. He just sounds like he's just saying whatever he wants, right? That's a serious problem because you must get the word of God from who teaches up here. And that's why you get to read it. <laughs> and that's why you all should more and more read the Bible too. <laughs> and thus, you don't just have somebody up here who says something like, Hey, if you give $100, God will give you $1,000. <laughs> I've heard that. I've literally, I've, I've been to preachers who say that. I, I sat in the room while the guy said that, and I was just like, oh, dude. <laughs> you know? And it's, you know, I'm nice, so I didn't take anything out of my, you know, like, and throw it at him. <laughs> but that's what I was thinking about then. So we need to throw something at this guy and tell him to shut up. So that's word. And if that word is so, you know, reliable, it's tremendous. But here's the second thing. Just if you, if you have a reliable word, do people read it reliably? If there is an absolutely infallible word, do people understand it infallibly? They don't. We all know that. That's why there's all these crazy denominations. Christians don't agree with each other. Now look. It's not absolutely that bad. It sounds really, really bad that nobody gets what the Bible is actually teaching. It's not true. If you actually meet people who really love Jesus, they agree on all the most important things. They really do. Okay? They disagree on some little complexity here and there, but for the most part, the really central things, the Bible has made clear. But somehow, people can grow up in the church, read something that should be crystal clear, and then it just completely goes off the deep end. So here is now where we're going to get to um, the text. If you're going to have the truth, you can't just have a word, which you absolutely need. Absolutely have to have a word. Word is more important than stuff. And that word must be utterly reliable. You can bank your life on it. Okay? And if you don't believe in Jesus, I just want to let you say, if you don't have one of those things, the only word you got is from you. How good are you? Is your words to yourself very reliable? Do you want to bet your whole life? You want to bet eternity? You want to bet your parenting? <laughs> I mean, like, it's just really hard just to find somebody who will help you with your money. 
Do you trust anybody else with your money? A lot of you probably don't. Why? Because you're not even sure if the guy who comes to your house, gives you a presentation, he starts telling you if you do this, this, and that, you'll, be, you'll get more money. You're like, what do you get out of it? <laughs> Are you lying? Right? So we're not even sure. Some of you don't entrust that anybody else's word when it comes to your money. How about your eternity? How about your parenting? How about marriage? How about lots of other important things? Maybe not even eternity. So it's really great that God gave us a word that's infallible. Now, if you don't believe that, I'm just letting you know you're just on your own. And if you're on your own, you're in trouble. You're in trouble, right? Now, let's go to the passage about the Holy Spirit. Because we can't just have the word alone. Because we read the word poorly. You know, human beings, another reason we have such a problem with truth is because we like lies. We like them. Okay? You like, someone tells you a thing, it's true. Oh, it just sounds really, really good to me. <laughs> you know, if you give God $100, he'll give you $1,000 tomorrow. If you give God $10,000, he'll give you a million dollars tomorrow. I would like to believe that. Because <laughs> I've got $10,000, and I would like to get a million dollars. Okay? But, but what if it's total garbage? <laughs> but you know, we like garbage. <laughs> and you know what's the worst garbage? The ones you tell yourself, the things you tell yourself. The truths you like to tell yourself. Okay? So what you need, you have a dirty spirit inside of you that loves half-truths. Half-truths are lies. Those are the truths that we, those are the truths that we like that's got a lie to it, that is really convenient to us. But what you need is a clean spirit, a beautiful spirit, a very, very good spirit that will never mislead you. And there is such a spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. So here's how Jesus puts it. This is uh, John chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Isn't that good? When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Let me tell you something else about the Holy Spirit. He gave us the Bible. <laughs> Where does the Bible come from? If you look in history, this guy wrote this and this guy wrote that. Paul, Luke, you know, Moses, etc. Okay, fine. So then, but the Bible says it actually came from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, sovereignly in history, selected these special people, guided their understanding, guided their writing, and gave us not just man's word, God's word. So first, the Bible comes from the Holy Spirit. But thankfully, since we're bad at reading it, the Holy Spirit will guide us into reading it and receiving it. Okay? So... Some people think, how do you know? I like to ask this question every now and then. Um, sometimes I go, you know, like I, 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 I used to meet all the college students before they went off to church. <laughs> you know, before I went off to college to help them, like, give them some advice for church. And, uh, you know, like the first criteria I tell them about a church is they preach the gospel. They're very, very serious about the gospel. And then I, like, sit there and go, what's the gospel, man? <laughs> and I make sure they know, and then 
I go, so then look for that. They're like, okay, pastor, sounds good. And I second one, you know what the second criteria I say is? I say, the Holy Spirit is in the room. I go, do you know when the Holy Spirit is in the room? You know what they do? I don't know. <laughs> These college kids are nice. I mean, are honest. They look like me. I mean, they're not going to lie to me. They're going to be like, yeah, because they know. They're yeah, I know, pastor. I'm like, well, then tell me how you know. <laughs> so they go, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right? We all want to know when the Holy Spirit is around. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. I'm not going to answer quite yet. There are some people who think, you know the Holy Spirit's around because there's like a you know, miraculous manifestation, tongues or something like that. Some churches, churches especially like from our tribe, the Reformed tribe, they're very word-oriented. They don't talk about the Holy Spirit that much. They just assume we have the right doctrine, therefore the Holy Spirit is with us. It's a little strange if you ask me, okay? The Holy Spirit's a person. You can tell when a person's with you when it's not with you. Like, I know when my wife is not with me, <laughs> okay? It's like she's not here, so she is not with me. But she's right there, so I, I know she's with me. I also know when she's sitting in the same room and she's mad at me. She is not with me. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? She's sitting right there and she's like, and I'm going, oh, Grace is not with me, okay? And so, but the Holy Spirit... One of the first ways the Holy Spirit, and this is more fundamental. The Holy Spirit is more than the Word. He gave us the Word. And the Holy Spirit does more than just give you miraculous manifestation, healing or tongues or something like this. Here's the way Jesus puts it. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He'll help the Word come alive in your mind and in your heart. And you know it's true. When that's happening, when you're going, yes, that's real. Yes. It's not just you being smart, like, I'm going to figure this out. You're not going to figure it out. <laughs> so God, the Son, Jesus, pours out the Spirit. Um, I'll just give you one more verse, just so you, you know I'm not just making this up. Right? This is two chapters earlier, John chapter 14, also the words of Jesus. I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. See, when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, you know what he's, how he tends to emphasize the Holy Spirit? That's how you will get truth. The Spirit will be with you, and then you will get the truth. The, wor the world cannot receive him, the spirit of truth, it neither sees him nor knows him, yet you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so, do I really know him? Jesus says he's with you and dwells in you, okay? He's with you and dwells in you. When I was younger, I'll just tell you this thing before I move to part two, I used to think, okay, I know what's in the Bible. Is the Holy Spirit helping me? How do I know? <laughs> and then I would hear a pastor say something like, well, if the Holy Spirit didn't help you, you wouldn't believe in Jesus. I was like, well, that sounds very circular. <laughs> you believe in Jesus, and then thus the Holy Spirit helps you. Right? So I was like, that seems kind of like we're just making this up, and then we're inventing the Holy Spirit to, like, you know, say he's on our side. As I grew older, I realized 
there's this thing called total depravity. You ever heard of it? <laughs> you know what total depravity means? It's a doctrine that means, depraved means you're so corrupted by sin. You're like, <laughs> you're really messed up. Total means you're pretty much messed up all the way down. Now, it doesn't mean you're totally bad. There are good things about you for sure. It's obvious, okay? But what it means is everything inside of you has been touched by sin. And that includes how you think. And as I grew older, I realized if it was up to me, God would always be nice to me. <laughs> and he'd always give me a million dollars. If it was up to me, God would be very convenient. If it was up to me, the truth would always, you know, be easy and convenient for me. Give me money, give me popularity, give me success. Right? And so I began to realize unless there's a spirit who takes you to one who is your savior, you wouldn't believe in the savior. When you're depraved, that's your real problem. I don't need a savior. I'll figure it out myself. If that's how you think, you're depraved and you're lost. And you need the third person of the Holy Trinity, who is God himself, no less God than the Son, no less God than the Father, to help you see the truth. If you begin to see, yeah, I'm really proud. Oh, uh, yeah. I like my delusions. As soon as you can begin to see that, and you can see that you need someone like Jesus, the Holy Spirit's helping you see the truth right there. See? That's how it works. Let's go to part two. The Holy Spirit exalting Christ. Okay. How do you know if the Spirit is at work among people? Or in you? So it's kind of back to that same question I asked the college kids. Do you know when the Holy Spirit is in the room? And they go, no. <laughs> okay, like if I went to a church, so it's not like I'm some kind of super holy person and I can see the Holy Spirit and you can't. Ha, I'm the pastor. I can do it. You can't. No. Okay, I'm going to teach you how to do it. From the Bible. Infallible word and the Holy Spirit, and then you can practice this, and if you practice this for even a little while, you can get decently good at it, okay? And so then you can walk into a room, and you can know if the Spirit is there or not. <laughs> you can be in a room by yourself, and you can know if the Spirit is there or not. Isn't that great? You can know when God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit is in the room with you, helping you get the truth. That's, I hope that's of importance to you. If it's not important to you, then you're, you're foolish, okay? So, same passage, John chapter 16. These are the words of Jesus. Verse 14, he, this is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. That's a pretty incredible thing to say. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Is Jesus, is, is Jesus just stuck? He just said the same thing again. He's not stuck. You know why he said it again? It's that important. 
He said it twice so you don't miss it. But let's go to the first part. He will glorify me. How do you know when the Spirit is in the room? How do you know when the Spirit is in you? How do you know the Spirit's around? Because Jesus will be exalted. <laughs> Jesus will become bigger and greater and more beautiful and more needed. You begin to realize it. And you all know what this is like. You're a Christian. I believe in Jesus. Christians are about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, yes, yes. We're all Jesus. Okay, we're all Jesus. Okay? You show up on Sunday, we're all Jesus. Sure, 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 sure. You wake up on Monday, and it's all about how am I going to get into that couch? How am I going to get in that couch? How am I going to get that couch? How am I going to get that couch? On Tuesday, all right, all right. Okay, how am I going to get that promotion? How am I going to get that promotion? How am I going to get that promotion? Oh, Wednesday. Oh, that person said something mean about me on, 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 uh, on, uh, on social media. How am I going to get people to like, think I'm awesome? <laughs> I'm awesome. That's what becomes great to us. The money, the success, something else becomes what's great, what is glorified. That's the way it puts it. But in your mind and in your heart, when Jesus gets glorified, it's not coming from you. It's coming from God. Okay? When that's happening, 100% of the time, it's from the Holy Spirit. Okay? Let's take you to another verse. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. This is Paul. I just want to show it to you another place. The chapter is about spiritual gifts. So, you know, you go on, read the whole chapter. It's all about gifts. Everybody, like, reads this chapter, and they argue about gifts. The Christian goes, no, the gifts are like this. No, okay, okay. But everybody ignores this verse. And I read that chapter many, many times. I finally noticed this verse. It's the best verse, I think, in the whole chapter. I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. Curse Jesus. F Jesus. Or you, you know all those people who use the word Jesus, except they should just be using the F word? <laughs> it's like, instead of saying the F word, they just say Jesus. You know what that's like, right? Well, if a person has the Holy Spirit in them, they don't do that. The Holy Spirit has a clean spirit instead of a dirty spirit. And out of what's in your heart comes out of your mouth, right? And what's most glorious, see, Jesus is most glorified to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's interesting. Since God himself, the Holy Spirit, is so humble, he wants Jesus to be lifted up. He's God. <laughs> He's not going, worship me. I'm the Holy Spirit. What about me? <laughs> There's nowhere in the Bible like that. The Holy Spirit exalt Christ. So it says, no one can say Jesus Lord except in the Holy Spirit. It goes back to the thing. You would never come to faith in the gospel and love Jesus if the Holy Spirit didn't help you. <laughs> okay? And when we say Jesus Lord, it doesn't just mean Jesus is boss. You know, Lord, okay, Lord, that's, that's the person who got to obey. He's the boss. Ultimate boss, Lord is like boss with a capital B. No, it means Jesus is ultimate greatness. Lord is ultimate glory. Jesus is the ultimate, most beautiful, worthy one. Thus, you're crazy not to obey him. Jesus, Lord, that means he's exalted, he's glorified. You can't think that 
You can't believe that unless the Holy Spirit helps you with that. Because our wisdom, apart from God, would never get that. You'll never get that. That's how messed up you are. So if a person doesn't get that, yeah, they're, they're going to go to hell. <laughs> because we're so stubborn and so prideful and so self-righteous. If we don't need Jesus, we're like, I don't need Jesus. But somehow then the Holy Spirit will help you to see he is so great, we desperately need Jesus. Now I want to go back to that previous. Can we go back to the previous slide? He will glorify me. That is the Holy Spirit. And he will take, this is what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He will take what is mine. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. He'll take what is mine and declare it to you. I, I gave you many, many weeks in a series that we called Union with Christ. This is a Union with Christ verse. The Holy Spirit is in you and dwelling you. He glorifies Jesus. And then you know what you get from Jesus? Everything that is his. That's what you get from Jesus. You know, some of us, we did some bad stuff. We found out that Jesus is the son of God, and he shed his blood, and now we get forgiveness of sins, and I get to go to heaven. That's awesome. It is awesome. And then we kind of just stop there but the Holy Spirit wants to tell you something more. <laughs> he will take what is mine and declare it to you. <laughs> you know why he's declaring it to you? Because the gospel doesn't only give you forgiveness and eternal life through forgiveness. He gives you everything that is Christ. In fact, you know what you get? You get Christ. <laughs> Over time, you'll stop worrying about forgiveness. You'll stop worrying about getting you know, the next paycheck. You'll stop worrying about getting a, you know, getting a promotion or the perfect college or the, the best boyfriend or something like this. Over time, if the Holy Spirit is in you, he will declare all that is in Christ and say it to you. And all that is in Christ is things like this. The Father loves the Son. Absolutely. We all know that, right? Of course, God, the Father, loves the Son of God. Do you know that that belongs to Jesus and is declared to you because everything that is in Jesus becomes yours in Jesus? So let me say it this way. Does God love you as much as Jesus? Do you think God the Father loves you as much as Jesus. If I took a quiz and asked every single one of you, I'll bet you most of you would say no. <laughs> you know what the, the Bible's answer is? And, you know, and if you said no, you'd be wrong. <laughs> you'd be wrong. The Son of God died the death we deserve so God can love you as his son. Ladies, you're like, well, I'm a woman, so I can't be loved as a son. You are loved just like the son. You are loved like Jesus from the Father. Isn't that pretty good? That's what the Holy Spirit declares to you. Can you begin to believe that? So here's what it's like. 
You do your uh, personal worship, quiet time, devotional, whatever it is that you do, and you pray. You read the Bible, and you're like, gosh, man, I stink at reading the Bible. Isn't that how you feel? I know a lot of you feel that way. The pastor knows how to read the Bible, but I'm not any good at it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> read the passage. Let's say it's got 10 verses, and you're like, I don't understand two. I only understand two out of the 10 verses. Eight of the verses were like, blah, 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 blah. Huh. But one of the verse reminds you that because of Jesus, you are loved as much as Jesus. And you go, oh, could that be true? Is that actually true? And so something in your heart begins to shake. The Holy Spirit's right there. Okay? Or how about this? You're at church. Susan gets up and does his, his droning, blah, blah, blah. He talks about how much we love money, and you're like, oh, crap, that's me. <laughs> right? And then you're like, wait, Mark, Susan, get to, the, get to the end. I'm waiting for the good part. Because you know that's when I'm going to tell you that Jesus is greater than money. And when I tell you that part, you actually start to believe it, and you go, okay money, I'm going to put it away. You're repenting right there on the spot. And you think that's something you're doing. Now the Holy Spirit's helping you do it. <laughs> that's how you know the Spirit is in the room. That's how you know when He's in your head. That's how you know when He's in your heart. When you see the movement of exalting Christ in your mind and your heart, that's the Holy Spirit making the Word come to life and helping you come to life. Yes? Now let's close. I wanted to give you this gift to close this sermon, the power to abound in hope. There's all these verses here, there, and there in the Bible about the Holy Spirit. And um, I don't know, nobody ever memorizes this verse, but this is great, you know. I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. It's not that much of a secret. I'm your pastor, and so I know the Bible so well, so I know all these verses, right? Wrong. <laughs> You know how I found this verse? I Googled it. <laughs> I wrote, Bible passages on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then this link came up. It's one of my favorites. It's openbible.info or something like that. It's just crowdsourced. All these people just threw all these. Some, some of them are like, I'm like, who, who put that up there? <laughs> right? I always go, who put that up there? And so I was reading through the, I was like, this verse is beautiful. I'm going to give that to Revive. Let's read it. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Last week I said, have hope in the gospel and not despair like our neighbors. Like literally the kids who are cutting themselves and some of the teenagers are thinking about killing themselves. They're in despair. But we have absolute eternal hope. The God of hope. What does he want to fill you with? He wants to fill you with not only of hope, with some joy, with some peace. He wants to give you all joy and all peace. Isn't that incredible? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace. And how? By faith, by believing. <laughs> you want to know it's just a strange thing. You believe, but the Holy Spirit helps you believe. I don't believe, 
then ask the Holy Spirit to help you believe. And the answer will be yes, by believing. Here we go. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You may abound in hope. So the word abound is related to the word abundant. You guys know what that word abundant means. Abound is not really a word that we tend to use. But abundant, we don't use that word too often either, but you all know what that means, right? Abundant means it's coming out of your ears. <laughs> you got so much of it, you can... Look, if you're, do you know that if a person is a millionaire, they don't cut coupons? <laughs> you know, if they're a millionaire, they don't shop at the places where you and I shop. Regular people show up at like an expensive store or any store, and then you look at this item, you're like, oh, that's a great item. And then you like, you know, you look at the tag. <laughs> and then you're like, <gasps> that ain't happening. <laughs> right? Or you're like, okay, when is the you know, Black Friday sale? Hopefully, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up here. You know, get this sucker 50% off. Okay? That's how it happens. You know what that means? That means you do not have abundance of money. <laughs> you have scarcity. The opposite of abundance is scarcity. But you know why rich people show up? They have abundance of money. They look at that, they're like, this is nice, and they just get it. <laughs> because they have money to throw away. Because <laughs> to you and I, you're like, dude, you're throwing it away. I'll wait. Because we have scarcity, they have abundance. I hope you would rather have abundance of hope. <laughs> Do you have hope? So let me close the message this way. In our culture, hope is wishful thinking. I hope I get a million dollars someday. It's wishful thinking. I hope I meet a really awesome babe and she likes me. Right? It's wishful thinking. In the gospel... It is not wishful thinking. Hope is something you have, absolutely. You just don't have it right now. Okay? Hope is that you will have all joy and all peace. It's absolutely certain. You know why it's absolutely certain? Because Jesus paid. He'll never take it back. He paid so much, now the Father loves you as much as he loves him. Even when you're dumb. <laughs> okay? Because Jesus washed it all away. And how will you possibly believe that? You're like, that sounds too good to be true, Pastor. But it's just the gospel. If you're a Christian, you're supposed to believe in the gospel, right? That is the problem with the Christian. We believe in the gospel, but you don't. <laughs> but you don't. We read the Bible, but we don't get it. So, you know how you get that belief? By the power of the Holy Spirit. There we go. The Holy Spirit will give you power to believe that you have an absolutely unshakable hope for all joy and all peace. So much hope, you could throw it away. <laughs> you could just like, here, let me give some to you. Let me give some to you. That's what should happen in a gospel church. It's just money. 
yeah, I'll buy this for you, no problem. And they're like, oh, that's so expensive. You're like, but I'd rather just give you hope because it's worth more. May that happen for you through word and spirit. I'm going to pray and let's go to the table of the Lord. We're going to eat the body and blood of Christ. And you know who exalts Christ as we eat the body and blood of Christ and connects you to him? The Holy Spirit. We're going to drink of the Holy Spirit. That's the way, another way the Bible puts it. We drink of the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, we regularly are spirit poor. We desperately need more joy and more peace. And we regularly think that money and success, we treat money as like Lord. Money is Lord, my goodness. What a horrible Lord. But if we can start to believe Jesus is Lord, Jesus is glorified, all that Jesus has from the Father is declared to us. <laughs> How can that be true? And yet it is true. We believe that, but we don't. So please help our unbelief. So as we go to the table, your table, we go to your body, your blood, and in your body and your blood is everything of the Father's. Holy Spirit, would you declare that to us? Holy Spirit, would you give us faith where we do not have faith? Holy Spirit, pour out, pour out your power on us so that the fullness of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, give us an absolutely unshakable hope. And we can start to see, even in this time when our joy starts to fail, even in this time when our peace is disturbed, it is but just a temporary blip because our hope is absolutely certain. Help us to believe that and live in this time filled with Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.